Sony. Hello, Canada. Welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense, Canada's Issues in Under an Hour. It is Tony in Saskatchewan. Today's date is May 8th, 2022. Lewis is away today, but on a uh, personal note, he has recently celebrated one more trip around the sun. I won't say how old he is, but I will say he's younger than I am. But um, by all means, if you want to wish Lewis a happy birthday, he did recently have one. And that's not why he is away from the show today. I just want to make that part clear. But um, indeed, you are stuck with me and me alone today. Another housekeeping note, Matea Roach. Dang! She, um, she finally lost on Jeopardy, but 23 straight wins for Matea Roach. So, uh, Miss Roach, you've done your country proud. Good for you. I think it's hilarious that the United States uh, networks, I think it was NBC might have been the first one, that had to point out that she is a lesbian. It's something that she wasn't making public, and possibly to her, kind of like myself and Lewis and most of you, it really didn't matter what her what her sexual orientation was. Sure didn't matter to me. I was just happy to see her kicking some ass on Jeopardy. And I'm sure most Canadians were just happy to see her kicking some ass on Jeopardy, but I believe it was NBC who was one who had to say Canadian lesbian doing well on, on Jeopardy. And another network that I had to laugh had said... Uh, Lesbian tutor on, you know, Canadian lesbian tutor, I think it was, 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 you know, had this streak on Jeopardy. And then, of course, that begs the question, what kind of tutoring would one do to be a lesbian tutor, I wonder? But at any rate, she, she took it all in stride and just said, well, you know what, if people see them themselves in me as an LGBT person, fantastic. And I thought, you know what, for 23 years old, that was a very mature response on her part. And I, uh, again, I'm just really proud of you, Miss Roach. You've done, uh, done your country proud and wow, 23 straight victories. That's, that's fantastic. So, um, hats off to you, Miss Roach until the next Jeopardy champion. Hopefully you're, uh, you're able to afford to buy a house now. I know that's something you had mentioned before. So, um, good work. All right, Canada. Well, we have got a busy one today. So on the show today, game on, Ontario. How much do Canadians really love their social programs? Quebec bans oil and gas development. The wokeness in Canadian society is going to destroy us. And more. So today we're going to start off with the Ontario election. So we all knew it was coming. And on our show last weekend, Lewis and I went through the Ontario budget a little bit, which really was the Ontario PC's election document. And we'd even said as much last weekend on our show. So I won't really recap what the PC party of Ontario has to say, because, well, we talked about it last weekend. We talked about all the money they're putting into highways. I did stumble last week when I was talking about the Bradford Bypass, and that, that I believe is Highway 413. So I will straighten myself out from that last weekend. My apologies, I just had a brain fart, and I was uh, 
having a hard time. So anyway, they are building a, a, a bypass around Bradford. That's Highway 14. There is a few billion dollars wrapped up in that. That is not part of the extra $4 billion that the PCs are promising to spend on more highways around Ontario. And last time I was in Northern Ontario, it was highways were a little nasty up there. So maybe some money has already gone up there. And if not, maybe some of that $4 billion could go that way. Just a suggestion on my part. Anyway, and again, we went through the, the hospitals the PCs want to build in Brampton and also in Mississauga. The joint announcement with Justin Trudeau and Doug Ford that came out after our show last week was a, more than a billion dollars going into uh, electric vehicle battery plants in Windsor and in Brampton. And there was the Ontario government and federal government were both ponying up half, so each put in half a billion dollars. Well, that's a good announcement to make right at the start of an election campaign. And on Wednesday, the election officially began. So now Ontario voters will go to the polls on June 2nd. There is 23 different political parties who are on the ballot in Ontario. That is amazing. Now, obviously, there's really only three contenders for government in Ontario, that being the Progressive Conservatives, the Liberals, and the NDP. Now, the Green Party does have one seat in Guelph, and they will probably try to capitalize on an Ontario, or I should say a federal, Green Party victory in Kitchener. But I don't know how much traction that will get because there was a, you know, a scandal-plagued Liberal Party candidate in the federal election. Well, we may not see that in the provincial election. So I, uh, I'm not really going to focus a lot on the Greens because they don't have a shot at forming government. Neither do the Go Vegan Party or the Stop the New Sex Ed Agenda Party, the Popper Party of Ontario, Popper being P-A-U-P-E-R as in poor people, the Poor Persons Party of Ontario, but the Popper Party. And the Ontario Party, which does, does actually have a seat in the legislature because of Belinda Carhelios, and or maybe she's the New Blue Party, but there's, there is a New Blue Party as well. Um, I know the Ontario Party has, has a seat. I think that's Belinda Carahillis. Please correct me if I'm wrong, our listeners in Ontario. So uh, I know that, that Belinda Carahillis is in one of those new parties, whether it's the New Blue or the Ontario Party. So that's why that particular party has a seat. I know Ontario Party has a seat, so I'm guessing that's probably her. But anyway, that, that party also doesn't really have a chance any more so than, well, the Go Vegan Party, for that matter. So, uh, early polling out has the PC party at 36%, and with the Liberals and NDP running pretty much neck and neck at 24 and 25%, that actually puts the PCs back in majority territory. Now, in a 124-seat legislature in Ontario, 63 seats will be needed for a majority. The PCs currently have, I believe it's 68 and there are six independents as of dissolution of the of parliament, which is almost as many as there are liberals, because there well, there's only seven liberals. I expect that number will grow. I hope it doesn't grow by too much. But anyway, so um, what are the liberals and the NDP offering as an alternative to the Doug Ford PCs? Well, 
both parties are claiming that while they will be the the best alternative to the PCs, and it's hilarious that they're not real. I mean, they're obviously they've got party platforms, they've got promises, they've got all kinds of money they want to spend. And I know that Stephen Del Duca talks about becoming premier, but it's it is kind of amusing that both parties just talk about we would be the better alternative to Doug Ford, not necessarily saying we could be the best party to govern Ontario. So they're uh, they're gunning after the PCs, and rather than just saying we would be best for Ontario for this reason, they want to try and say the PCs suck and we're better because. It's, uh, it's just a funny tactic on my part, on my, my thinking. So anyway, the Ontario Liberals have decided, and we talked about Stephen Del Duca's pre-election promise of a complete handgun ban Ontario-wide. Well, they've also decided that the Ontario Liberals want to implement a $16 minimum wage in Ontario in 2023. So that's right around the corner. And another promise is to require COVID vaccines for all frontline educators. That I don't like. That That's what we call a vaccine mandate. Now, well, yours truly is definitely no fan of vaccine mandates. In fact, I hate them. And Steven Del Duca has decided that, nope, he wants more government control, so therefore a vaccine mandate will be needed for all frontline educators. Now consider this. In the, in the age categories from 5 to 11 years old, the vaccination rate is incredibly low because, well, they certainly weren't approved to get vaccines until relatively recently. And, well, about the same time when parents started saying, hey, these vaccines really aren't very effective. As a matter of fact, Pfizer themselves have released 80,000 pages of data on their vaccines. And, of course, I'm not going to read 80,000 pages, but the summaries I have gotten from, from other news sources that have gone through them, well, they seem to say, they indicate, and I've got to be careful with the language here, now, the Pfizer vaccines has, by Pfizer's own numbers, are, have only 12 to 13% efficacy in preventing transmission of COVID from person to person. Now, I want to make that very clear and very distinctive. 12 to 13% efficacy is in preventing transmission. So that, if I've had my, my two Pfizer vaccines, there is still there's only a 12 to 13% chance that I won't be able to pass that on to somebody else. So that doesn't, that what that's not saying, it's not saying that it's only 12 to 13% effective in stopping COVID. That's, that's off the table. As a side note on that subject though, the vaccines aren't stopping me from getting COVID. In fact, the don't stop that at all. All they've decided to say now is that, okay, well, it won't stop you from getting it, but you just won't be as adversely affected by it if you do get it, if you've had your shots. Well, that doesn't make me feel very comfortable at all. But I went and got mine anyway because I was told, get your shots and everything goes back to normal. Well, <laughs> it's uh, still not completely normal out there yet. Uh Try getting on a plane if you haven't had your two shots. 
And even if you had had your two shots, well, now everybody's talking about booster shots. Here in Saskatchewan, they're now saying, oh, it's time to go get your fourth shot, is in your second booster. And while I haven't got booster shot number one, I have no plans on getting it. And now they've said, because I just recently turned 50, well, not recently, I guess, but because I am now 50, apparently now I people in my, my age and above are now being encouraged to go get those booster shots. Well, I pointed out on a show long ago, and it was actually thanks to Lewis who had steered me toward a Joe Rogan experience interview with Dr. Robert Malone, who, as we mentioned many times on this show, was part of the team that developed the mRNA vaccine technology, which is what the Pfizer vaccine was developed on, as well as Moderna. Well, Dr. Malone said, I... I, I was on the team, I invented this, this technology, and I, Dr. Malone, I'm telling you, do not get a booster shot. Do not get another shot of these mRNAs. So I'm following the science, listening to the expert. This is what we keep being told by government. Follow the science, listen to the experts. The expert said, don't do it. I am not getting that third shot. Thank you, Dr. Malone. All right, so enough of a sidebar on that one. 12 to 13% effectiveness that that Pfizer shot is going to stop you from transmitting that virus to somebody else. So no wonder parents of the 5 to 11-year-old crowd are a little hesitant to get their kids jabbed. I don't blame them. I mean, obviously my kids are all young adults now, so that's their, their decision now. But I'm not blaming parents, and, well... I'm not too thrilled the Ontario Liberals want to bring in a vaccine mandate for the education sector. There actually are teachers out there who don't want to get the jab. So, uh, well, perhaps we're going to see some more work for our friend George over at jablessjobs.work for some teachers who decide, hey, you know what? My body, my choice. Oh, wait, that only works for abortion, apparently. That doesn't work for vaccines for some reason. Hmm. Well, I guess the government is, you know, has no shortage of hypocrites, do they? So anyway, the Ontario Liberals have decided, yep, if you elect them as government Ontario, expect a vaccine mandate in the education sector. Also in the education sector, should you elect Stephen Del Duca to become the next Premier of Ontario, and I sincerely hope you do not do that, he is going to reinstate grade 13. Now... Ontario was, was the only province in Canada that still had grade 13 until that was abolished a number of years back. But Stephen Del Duca says, nope, our high school kids should stay around for one more year. Let's bring back grade 13. Having never gone through a grade 13, I just went through grade 12 in Alberta. I, I can't offer much of an opinion other than to say, as a student, I remember being in grade 12 thinking, I can't wait to get out of this place. So I'm going to guess kids haven't changed and probably don't want to hang around for a grade 13. I know that he had sort of indicated what type of, of courses that he would want to bring into a grade 13. And I won't even say it doesn't make sense because it was, there was talk about perhaps some, some economics classes, some talks about, you know, taxes, budgeting, some, some more life skills kind of stuff. But I know when I was in high school, we actually took some life skills classes like that. It was called career and life management. And it actually started in grade 10. 
And I can't say they were horribly helpful because they didn't really teach a lot about like a personal budget, for example, which is something you should learn from your parents if your parents do a budget. I know I do. I always have. But if that's the kind of courses that grade 13 will be teaching, something that's actually going to be useful life skills, well, maybe it's not the worst idea. But because it's coming from the Liberal Party of Ontario, I'm going to guess that it will have nothing to do with anything that will actually be practical. Also, you've heard Stephen Del Duca talk about a buck a ride for transit in Ontario and billions more to expand transit, well, everywhere that he possibly can. And he's, he even said, when he questioned by the media, he had said, well, hey, if there's a really big uptake on this buck a ride, then we were, are happy to invest even more money into transit to accommodate everybody who wants to increase the ridership. Well, I suppose at a buck a ride, you might get more uptake in places where a transit is convenient. And obviously that would be people who work in downtown Toronto, for example, where it's not convenient to drive. And even folks who live on, on the suburbs, if they want to hop on the go train, for example. But well, A, you're losing money hand over fist by offering a dollar a ride. Now, government largesse can only go so far. The Ontario government has the largest sub-sovereign debt in the world. And the PCs are actually promising to pay that off by 2027. Isn't that convenient? You have to re-elect them one more time in order to, to see that budget get balanced. But I suppose if you see them getting a smaller and smaller deficit as time goes on, perhaps you can believe them. But anyway... Transit is never a moneymaker anywhere. I get that. But even some of the mainstream media reporters are saying, like, just stop this $1 this, $1 that, buck a beer, buck a ride. Like, it's, uh, at some point in time, governments have to stop hemorrhaging money. Uh, but this is an election, so there's no room for, for fiscal responsibility right now. It's give, 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 and give some more. So, well, speaking of give, 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 the Ontario NDP, Andrea Horvath, the, who's the Ontario NDP leader, she's been an Ontario NDP leader for, this will be her third election now. And from people I've talked to out there, it sounds like she's kind of past her best before date politically. So she still is devoid of any real solid ideas and... They sound good. She's got some ideas that sound good, but it's sort of, okay, well, how do you uh, put these into play? And, well, frankly, she's got one that's that's actually quite racist. So let's get into those. So if the NDP were to be elected as government in Ontario, and I hope the, the people that are my age and older remember when Bob Ray was NDP Premier of Ontario and what a disaster that was and how Mike Harris had to come clean up that mess... The Ontario NDP under Andrew Horvath would increase childcare wages. She did not say exactly how much she would increase the wages of childcare workers, but time to increase them. And it promises a $20 million black business recovery fund, quote, and other supports for black entrepreneurs. That sounds really racist to me. Why are you targeting only one demographic of society for, for help in business recovery when 
businesses all across Ontario have had the living crap beat out of them from all your government's COVID restrictions and lockdowns, the worst, most strict COVID lockdowns and restrictions in the world took place in Ontario. Ontario was literally two years to flatten the curve. And Stephen Del Duca, if, if elected, has said that he wouldn't hesitate to go back into lockdowns to keep Ontarians safe. Well, you know Lewis and my opinions on that. So uh, I'll move on to that. Um, Andrew Horvath also pledges to hire 30,000 new nurses for Ontario. That sounds fantastic. What has Lewis been saying in the last few shows? Where the hell are you going to find these people? Where are you going to find 30,000 new nurses when you've fired tens of thousands of nurses for refusing to get COVID vaccines? BC alone fired 4,000. Quebec was, was about to lose 15,000 and then changed their policy. Smartly, good move, Mr. Legault. But where are we going to find 30,000 new nurses for Ontario? and 300 new doctors. I guess out of thin air, and I don't know if she, if what her stance is on vaccine mandates as far as the election is concerned, but she was, Andrea Horvath that is, was certainly all in for lockdowns, all in for vaccine mandates, so we may just end up with the same problem we have had for the last two years in Ontario. If you can't keep the nurses you have, you may have trouble finding 30,000 more. All right, and not to be outdone on the minimum wage front, Andrea Horvath says there she wants to see a $20 an hour minimum wage in Ontario in 2026. So at least businesses will have a few years to adjust, but that's still going up over a dollar a year until 2026. That hurts. And it's going to hurt businesses in Saskatchewan, too, because Scott Mullen out in Saskatchewan has done a similar thing. is increasing the minimum wage a dollar a year over the next three years. I guess some of these leaders just don't understand what it's like to run a business. I know Lewis is going to have some opinions on that one, and we are certainly going to discuss that as this election campaign goes on. Because, well, as a business owner, he'll be happy to tell you all about what the about minimum wages being imposed upon not just him, but I mean upon other employers. All right, so let's move on from the Ontario election for a little bit. We've got a couple of other things to get to. One of those things to get to being, well, you and I, Canadians. Canadians love their free stuff. There's no question about that. And uh, hey, I like free stuff too, but I understand when that free stuff means our social safety net that, well, it's far from free. We pay a crap ton of taxes to pay for all the free stuff. Now, recently, uh, thanks to Jagmeet Singh, uh, we now have a dental care program being implemented into our healthcare system. Now, again, I actually went out and talked to an expert, um, that being my own dentist, because I, I went for a checkup a couple of weeks ago. Now, my own dentist, who was a major partner in the in the the firm or the dentist office does that. I, I just asked him about this dental care and he said, well, as far as Saskatchewan goes anyway, and this is true mo across most of the country, that it's kind of a nothing burger right now because there are already supports in place 
for lower income people to get dental care. And he, he said the vast majority of clients in his office have insurance. And if you don't have insurance, then you're able to access low income supports, senior supports, and often there are other government supports one can access. So he said, really, there's a very, very small number of people that would actually even fit into this, this free dental care slot. And then he said, well, all that it's going to cover is cavities and extractions. At least right now, that's what, uh, what he's being told. So if it's just covering cavities and extractions, well, I guess fantastic. That's really kind of a small part of what they do at the dentist office. So I guess I could still get in for cleanings. And even he said, and he, and we were joking about it, but it's one of those jokes where you're, you're actually serious about it. He said, yeah, likely what's going to happen is that we will uh, now suddenly be doing half of the cavities and extractions and double the cost. And that is actually exactly how it's going to go. I mean, uh, as soon as government gets involved, costs go up because there's so much more bureaucracy, administration, and services go down because, and what Lewis has said this how many times, because they ration the services in order to keep the cost to the government down. So you're going to get less service, which is going to cost more, and it's going to spill over into other costs at the dentist office because now their admin staff is going to have to do this much more paperwork in order to bill the government for the, very, for the few services that they will be offering for the government, which is going to take time away from them to be billing my insurance company, to be booking my appointments, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, we're going to go down a rabbit hole on the dental care that we don't want to go down. But anyway, there's, there's the, the expert telling me about the dental care plan. But Canadians, as a whole, 72% support universal dental care. Now, this comes from the Fraser Institute, hardly uh, you know, a, a, a left-wing polling agency. And their poll suggested 72% of Canadians support dental care. But only 42% of Canadians are in favor once they understand the costs that are involved. Well, dental care just right now for the 12 and under demographic that is covered is $1.7 billion for a year. And once Canadians heard that, well, their support for dental care went down significantly. Ah, yes, but there's also pharmacare coming. Oh, everybody wants government drug coverage. Yeah, actually. 79% of people the Fraser Institute polled said, yeah, pharmacare is a great thing. And then when they asked afterward, well, do you understand there is a $15.3 billion price tag to set up pharmacare? That's just the first year. Suddenly the support drops, well, cuts right in half. 40% of people support pharmacare when they hear the costs that are involved. Do you see a theme here? Canadians are saying, yes, give us the free stuff. Oh, hey, 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 wait, we got to pay for it? Yeah, maybe not. $10 a day daycare. Well, that's been trotted out as the, the inflation fighter. That's how Canada's government is going to help us with the cost of inflation. 
in five years from now? And that's what they won't answer to. They always, remember how about a month ago, that was all the Liberals would say, oh, we're helping Canadian families with $10 a day daycare. They wouldn't talk about the fact that it's not being implemented for five years. But still, 69% of Canadians said, yeah, we support $10 a day daycare. And note now that, that the Liberal Party of Canada says it's $10 a day daycare in government-approved childcare facilities. And that's a very important distinction to make, by the way. It is a government-approved facility. That's the ones who want to go under the government wing. And a lot of childcare centers don't want to, and I don't blame them. But anyway, 69% of Canadians said, yeah, we support $10 a day daycare. Then the Fraser Institute points out, uh, by the way, that's going to cost $7.9 billion to, to you, the taxpayer. If there was a 1% point hike in the GST to pay for it, suddenly that support drops down. Only 36% of Canadians support $10 a day daycare, knowing that it would be $7.9 billion with a 1% hike in GST. So what I'm reading from this is that Canadians are happy with extra government handouts, but not so happy to have to pay for it. So I want to give credit to the, to the Fraser Institute for actually putting the numbers out there and doing the polling. And I'm not even going to say the Canadians are, are hypocrites for supporting these programs until they find out the cost. I think the Canadians just honestly believe that this stuff is free. And, well, it's not free. So uh, thank you to the Fraser Institute for pointing that out for us. All right. Well, speaking of another population that loves their free stuff, let's go on to Quebec. Now, Quebecers seem to love these big bloated government social programs that, well, largely Newfoundland and Alberta and BC and Saskatchewan tend to pay for, um, mostly Alberta. Now, with the new Bay du Nord program, or project, I should say, in Newfoundland being approved for a huge oil and gas development, maybe the tides will, uh, will turn somewhat that Newfoundland will be paying more of the freight for Quebec social programs. But Quebec has decided that, well, good thing that Bay du Nord has been approved because the province of Quebec has now officially banned oil and gas production inside the province of Quebec. I'll say that again. The government of Quebec has officially banned oil and gas production inside Quebec. They still use oil and gas. Absolutely they do. And they will happily buy it from Saudi Arabia or the U.S. or anywhere but Western Canada. Even though the Montreal Economic Institute, year after year, has polled average Quebecers who all believe that their oil and gas should come from Western Canada, if not from Quebec itself, the Quebec government doesn't care. And I'm actually going to defend them on that shortly. Kind of. All right, so now that this ban has gone through, April 22nd was the day that the bill was passed in the Quebec government to ban oil and gas production. They will now be paying oil and gas companies $100 million to go around Quebec and capping any wells that they've had and 
guess taking their equipment and getting out of Dodge. Now, the Quebec government themselves had uh, done a study, actually, I don't think it was a government study, commissioned a study, and that there would be a loss of three to five billion dollars in shale gas deposits and a loss potentially in Quebec oil reserves of what they have currently under the ground of anywhere between 45 to 200 billion dollars for letting all of their oil and gas stay underground. It's actually really shameful considering that Quebec has actually got an economy that's in quite good shape right now. They are back into surplus budgeting. They pay a crap ton of taxes as far as the citizens themselves are concerned. And they get over a billion dollars a year in transfer payments every year. They get the lion's share of transfer payments, in fact, from the rest of Canada. So they don't, I guess they probably don't need to develop their own industries that much because they continue to get, get pumped up by the rest of the country. Now, here's where I got to give the government of Quebec a slight pass on this idiocy. And that is because groups like Equiterre, Equiterre, by the way, is an environmentalist organization in Quebec, founded by, among others, Stephen Gilbeau. Do you recognize the name Stephen Gilbeau, Canada? Well, of course you do, because he is our radical environmentalist who is now Minister of the Environment in the Trudeau government. Yes, the same Stephen Gilbeau who scaled the CN Tower in Toronto protesting fossil fuels. The, the very same Stephen Gilbeau who actually climbed onto the roof of then-Premier Ralph Klein's house in Calgary, Alberta, to protest fossil fuels. Oh, by the way, Ralph Klein wasn't actually at home when Steve Gilbo climbed up on his roof, but it did scare the living hell out of Ralph's wife, Colleen, who was home. That, Stephen Gilbo, is one of the founders of Equiterre. Equiterre was the organization that rallied up the citizens in Quebec and lobbied the government and petitioned the government, collected signatures, and the government listened. They paid attention. They said, well, we've got this many citizens that are passionate about it, that have protested. I guess we need to do something. So that's the only blip on this radar that I will give the government a pass on is that they were lobbied hard by a very, very vocal minority on an issue that they were already kind of leaning toward anyway. And having these lobbyists show up at the door just sort of pushed them over the, the precipice when they were already standing on the edge anyway. So now the Quebec government has banned oil and gas production. So maybe now the completely silent majority of Quebecers who actually have some common sense need to get their own rallying cries to, well, get their government to stop being so goddamn stupid. How's that sound? All right, and speaking of stupid, I haven't mentioned Jagmeet Singh for a little while, but as many of you long-term listeners know, I actually had a challenge out to Jagmeet Singh for quite some time to a debate, and the only subject of that debate was going to be, is Jagmeet Singh a complete imbecile? 
and I promised that I was going to tear him apart in that debate. I eventually had to give up that challenge because Jagmeet Singh just continued to prove me right every day. And he keeps doing it. He's done it now with this coalition government deal he's made with Justin Trudeau because, well, I guess he's getting the dental care, but he's not, he's not put in any kind of position of power. So here he goes again. Jagmeet Singh, I have to give, I have to quote him. He has quoted, he said, anyone who supports democracy will support this bill. Jagmeet Singh and the NDP have, have introduced a bill to the House of Commons to lower the voting age in Canada to 16 years of age. I'm pausing just so that our friend in Southern Ontario can yell at his radio again, because I know he did that last time. There was such a stupid promise made about the voting age. You're welcome, sir. Jagmeet Singh figures that 16-year-olds should be voting in Canadian elections. Now, I'm going to be honest. When I was 16, it was back in the late 1980s, and I, I think I thought then that, yeah, I was probably mature enough to vote at 16. Looking back on that, I realized that, well, I would have been voting for, for a conservative-minded party because I've, I've just never been wired to move to the left. But when you look at the average 16-year-old today, when you do mock elections in schools, well, the NDP does very, very well. So, of course, Jaimeet Singh is going to want the voting age lowered to 16 because that's going to mean a lot more NDP votes. So it's, uh, it's actually his own self-interest and nothing to do with democracy. As a matter of fact, given the school system and the, well, functional illiterates that they have been turning out for the last decade... I would actually support seeing the voting age increased, perhaps to 21, so that maybe people would actually have to get out and work and pay some taxes and sort of see how society works a little bit before they start voting, so then maybe they would be encouraged to do a little bit of research. Although I do know some 21-year-olds who still don't have that maturity, but I would... Uh, I'm, I'm actually all for increasing the voting age now that I've seen what our young ones are like. So, step one on how woke idiots are destroying this country. Step two. Remember I pointed out on the beginning of the show that it was Mother's Day today? At least I hope I did, because uh, those of you who still have your mother, I'm afraid I don't anymore, by all means, please, I beg you, wish your mother a happy Mother's Day. And... To all moms out there listening, happy Mother's Day to you. Or, as they would say in Abbotsford, British Columbia, at a certain elementary school, happy grown-ups who love you day. Yes, happy grown-ups who love you day. This school in Abbotsford is canceling Mother's Day because they don't want to offend those kids that don't have mothers so it's happy grown-ups who love you day. I'm going to guess Father's Day must be the same thing for all those kids who are being raised by single mothers. How much more ridiculous is this going to get before Canadians say, enough is enough of this garbage? 
Mother's Day is a great day so you can appreciate all the moms out there. And, you know, I have a neighbor who is a single dad, two boys, and the way he said it, he just said, well, I'm both, so I'll take some props on Mother's Day and Father's Day. I think that's a good way to look at it because he is doing both. And just like the single mom is doing both, maybe she should get recognized on Father's Day as well. We've got to stop catering to woke morons who think they're actually speaking for other people when most of the time they're not. Speaking of morons who think they are defending other oppressed people when they likely are not, welcome to Toronto Metropolitan University. Some of you are saying, oh, where's that? Well, you know it's in Toronto, obviously. That used to be called Ryerson University, but of course, because Edgerton Ryerson was not actually the architect of the residential schools program, actually spoke out against uh, uh, many of the methods utilized in residential schools. Regardless, because he happened to be around at that time, well, there was, of course, calls to change the name of Ryerson University because the name Ryerson was going to trigger somebody and make them think of colonialism and white man bad. So Ryerson University is no more. We now have the blandest possible name that will hopefully not offend anybody, namely Toronto Metropolitan University. Uh -huh. Let's go a little bit west of Toronto now. Let's go to the city of Kitchener. You know, the city of Kitchener actually used to be called Berlin, but uh, they, uh, they changed the name of that back around World War II. Might even have been World War I when they thought, well, that's pretty nasty. We don't want to offend anybody by having our fair city being named after the capital city of Germany because, of course, Germany was evil and they started a world war. So that's why the name became Kitchener. Well... Continuing on with that tradition of changing names and not wanting to offend anybody, there's a statue of Queen Victoria in the city of Kitchener, in one of the public parks, that was recently vandalized, splashed with red paint. Well, officials in the city of Kitchener have said, we're going to leave that as it is. We are not going to clean that up. Because that statue, the statue of Queen Victoria, is doing harm to people by standing in the middle of that park. That statue is doing harm by reminding citizens of Kitchener of Canada's colonial legacy. And therefore, they are not going to clean that red paint off of that statue of Queen Victoria. Nor are they going to take the statue down, so I guess good, but they're going to leave it there with the red paint so that Canadians can be reminded I guess, of the harm of Canada's colonial legacy and I'm guessing the red paint will be part of Kitchener citizens' way of payback? I guess? I don't know. All right. Let's go to the federal government level of woke idiots who are destroying this country. That will be our Canadian Armed Forces. Now, you heard Lewis and I 
make fun of that one the last couple of episodes. How about how length of beards and bright colored hair, length of hair, braids, makeup, fake eyelashes are all okay in the Canadian Armed Forces now. Face tattoos are okay as long as they're not offensive. But what is offensive to the Canadian Armed Forces now are chaplains, military chaplains, who um, well, obviously would offer religious services. Chaplains who, who will not, quote, will not align with the new values of the Canadian Armed Forces will not be allowed to practice with the Canadian Armed Forces. So Christian chaplains, I, I suppose probably any chaplains, probably not, probably Muslim chaplains or Jewish rabbis, whoever would not align themselves with the new woke ideology of the Canadian Armed Forces will not be a chaplain with the Canadian Armed Forces. We are absolutely destroying ourselves by allowing our military to go stupid. I can't even say woke, but I mean, that's obviously true, but they've just gone full on stupid. Never, ever, ever go full on stupid. All right, let's wrap the show up with yet one more example of woke idiocy destroying this country. And we'll go to the West Coast. I'm sorry, Lewis. I know you're listening right now. And I know you're, you're thinking to yourself, what the hell kind of province am I living in? And you already know, because you live in the Okanagan. You actually don't have a voice in how the province is run, because it's all from the lower mainland. Well, the BC government has decided now that they are going to collect race-based data. Yes, race-based data collection on BC citizens in order to fight systemic racism and better deliver government programs and services. I have a hard time understanding exactly what that means, but governments collect data on citizens all the time. Often it's through polling, although lately it has been through actual surveillance, through different phone apps, as like the, the the COVID tracking app, for example, that actually collected data on citizens. The BC government has decided they're going to collect data based on race so they can weed out systemic racism in order to better deliver government programs. I have no idea how that's going to work. I just know that sounds really, really, really dumb. And maybe Lewis will have a bit more, more information on that to explain it on our next show. But this has to stop. All of this woke BS infiltrating our country, infesting our institutions has to stop. And Lewis has said it a few times. He's rang the alarm bell. Those looking back on the history of this country are going to look back on periods like right now and say, how could they not have seen this coming? Why didn't somebody step up and stop this? We have to do that, Canada. We have to step up and say, 
enough of this garbage. Ryerson University is Ryerson University. Mother's Day is Mother's Day. Grown-ups who love you day is idiotic. 16-year-olds, 14-year-olds should not be voting in Canadian elections. Whatever happened to just equality? Good old-fashioned equality. It's gone. And the more we continue to let our country drop down this rabbit hole, the harder it's going to be to get it back. It's good luck to all of us. And thank you for listening, Canada. This is Tony in Saskatchewan, and we will talk to you again soon. This is Canadian Common Sense with Lewis and Tony.